Welcome to Anley Pod when we're winning, your complete utter nutter of a football podcast with Paul, Sean, John, and Super Pete Novikowski. We are We Only Pod when we're winning. One of the biggest scandals that you've seen or known about in world football in your time as a supporter? Well, I'll tell you what, mine. I thought about this, I went backwards and forwards, up and down, back and around. I thought about and I thought the biggest scandal, most scandalous thing I've ever seen or heard of in world football was when Qatar got awarded the World Cup. I knew you were going there. I really did. <laughs> what an absolute load of shit. It was crap. It was, uh, it was a huge shock. Uh, I definitely had that down as one of mine as well. And um, we... I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed that I'm amazed that Blatter did it with a straight face. <laughs> where, where, where were the where was the where was the money going that paid for that? Because it certainly wasn't done on the over the quality of the bid. The stadiums are amazing. Well, you know, not yeah, built built with the um, bones of Brazilian people. But um, I suppose the thing there is what you were just saying before. Money talks, and we've known that for so long. Um, I actually flashed back a little bit to um, the mid two thousands when, with a bit of Italian match fixing, and thought, "Is that the biggest scandal?" You know, there, there was three or four years of you know huge match fixing in Italy, um, but is that actually a shock? Probably not. Oh, it was huge at the time. It that was. cost Juventus um, uh, three scudettos, didn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, it did actually. Yeah, I was going to say three too. years when they were away. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's the biggest in my time. And it just goes to show the power of, um, you know, we want all the money on our shirts for, you know, the gambling sponsors and, you know, um, down the bottom of, of any uh, coverage, we'll always have gambling, you know, res- you know, gamble. Hey, spend all your money, but gamble responsibly. Um, and so for me. Hey, how do you think under modern day rules, talk about scandals, how do you mm. think Edmundo's rider would go, um, you know, before games? Edmundo the animal. It's like, I'm only going to play if you bring me six girls before the match. Oh, oh yeah, we'll do that for you, Eddie. How do you reckon he got through that? How did he even get through 70 to 90 minute games? As long as you keep, let's open parenthesis, banging them in, close parenthesis. I love it. Uh, I don't know how the animal got through any games at all. My God, what, what a virile animal that was. I uh, loved him. Shawnee, for you, mate, um, a scandal that you can think of that, you know, one that really kind of, has there been any that have blown your mind? Well, we could do a whole, we could do a whole podcast on, uh, on the scandals regarding Leeds United and how they got twisted out of a two European competitions. You know, we could, we could do a whole show on that, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for now. Um, the one that, when I was about 15, how old was I at the time? I think I was about 14, 14, n- nearly 15. Four score and many moons ago. It was a World ago. Cup of 1982. <laughs> we, exactly. World, World mm. Cup 1982. And it was uh, the uh, Anschluss of 1982. Um, because if you remember, what, what happened was uh, Algeria had beaten West Germany 2-1. And it was one of the yep. biggest shocks in World Cup. It, it sort of rivaled... The USA. What was his England name? Bloomy, wasn't it? And it was a, yeah, it was a real big shock, big shock. And uh, but what happened was there was there were four teams in the group: the West, West Germany, Algeria, Chile, and Austria. And Chile lost all three games; they were out of the equation. And obviously, with Algeria beating West Germany, they were still in in the mix. And it's and it and it became known, as I said, the Anschluss or the disgrace of uh, Dijon. Um, and basically, what happened was it was a it was the last time in World Cup history that the um, the, the the last round of games in the group stage yes, were played right. at different times. Because what happened was uh, Algeria got four points, um, Austria got four points, uh, West Germany were on two points, and essentially what what happened was it. As I said, Algeria had already played. I think they got a point against Chile or something like that. I can't remember. But what happened was they. it became quite apparent that if Germany won 1-0 or 2-0, then both yep. Austria and Germany were going to go through to the next round. So, and it, the, the German manager at the time, Jupp Derwell, you know, he was, he, uh, I think there was some, Consultations between the old Anschluss boys, and um, and and basically Germany scored mm. after about nine minutes, 
And and there was a the, it's, it's funny the 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 referee of that game is a guy called Bab Valentine from Scotland, and and he he was saying what's going on what's going on because I think there was one shot on target between the the yep. goal going in and the end of the match, and uh, never again never again was um, the uh, the last game of a group stage not played simultaneously because uh, it stunk the joint out. And if you remember, Johnny, you know, Germany... Well, they didn't. I think one of the things I was just thinking about was um, how far the world's come, like in my head as far as football goes, because I used to hate Germany with a passion. And now now I love watching them and uh, I like everything about them. Back in those days, they were public enemy number one. You know, like... You know, like Karl yeah. Rummenigge, Breitner, absolutely, Horst like Rubisch, you know, and, and and that 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 game will go down in, in football history as 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 oh, absolutely. But that's going to go down in football history as like it's as I say, it's like an Anschluss. Dieter and Uli Hernes, wasn't it? The Were they in that side? And, yeah, and I suppose though, from team. from uh, scandal um, comes. Rule changes as well, and and that you know we love that now, where the, you know the, the the last round is played on the same day, or you know in World Cup and and so forth. The game more buying of votes on World Cup ballots, potentially. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll touch on that in another one as well. So I mean we we're doing we're segueing brilliantly tonight, guys. And I appreciate this. You've done so well. Um, a rule change you'd like to see, if any. Is, is there any rule changes in the current game you'd like to see? I've got one, speaking of World Cups, and uh, I thought about this long and hard because I don't I particularly... I'm not a big fan of just change for change's sake in sport. Yeah. I mean, everyone seems to oh, we've got to get more money, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. But I remember one World Cup, Sean, I'm sure you remember before, you, you would too, where the time clock went to 90 minutes and 45 minutes and the referee blew the whistle, everyone walked off. And mm. I really hate the arbitrary nature of time added on at the end of matches. Yeah. And I think if the, if the referees had that 45 minutes in and if they actually pulled out yellow and red cards for dudes time-wasting and said, let's get on with it, um, and that 90 minutes, we just blew it up, I think – I actually think it would make for – I know there's great theatre in time added on, but you know what? That would become inside the time frame if it just went to 90 minutes and everyone could see it. I actually love that. You know what? That's a great. That's a great call, John. Because I was thinking about that, and I thought that um, you know, I've like a fifth official in the grand in the stand. You know, like you know, like the old mm. rugby league back in the day, sitting on his where, chair where behind the, the behind the, the goalposts. Where, where the hooter went, there were timekeepers in the stand, and the hooter went. And I'm thinking maybe not just that, but maybe the referee can liaise with the timekeepers and and keep them. Keep them sort of uh, so, so. So it's more of a, it's you know that. Yeah. So sometimes you see oh, and the fourth official has indicated there'll be eight minutes. Of it always seems to work against your team there. when you need it. I really don't Absolutely. see why we need the uh, the fourth official to give the time. And and as you guys said, it's almost become arbitrary. If there's a goal scored, we know there's going to be three minutes added on, and and you can almost pick it, which is ridiculous, right? It should be the ref in the middle. He decides, players go down, he mentally notes, right, that's, that's going to be, you know, another... It, it, sh- it should just be up to that central ref. And we, we either go with John's rule, where he moves it on, come the 90 or come the 45, it's done, or it's just that central ref. Because even then, it's his interpretation, isn't it? And he's going to look at a board and he's going to go, oh, well, seven minutes, I'm going to keep to the seven minutes. It's rare that they don't. But, they, so but that- sometimes they do. And then you'll go, okay, well, hang on. We're, now we've done the four minutes and we're still... You know, yeah. you're hanging on. It's like oh, it's always yeah. It's always when you're one nil up or we're two nil up. We better make sure we give Man United sides. another two minutes to see if they score. Yeah. Yeah. Or Real Madrid, I'm... they get it a lot. No, they they never do. Have you seen how it'd be really interesting to do a study on that, wouldn't it? How long the how long the bigger teams actually get in that extra time when they're down? That would actually be a really good study. I'm get sure, onto it. I'm sure it's been done, but like well, but you're, you're along with that, onto it? has to be has to be the authority to the referee to say when if there's ten minutes to go. And if you're pretending rolling around the ground, you're off. Yep. You know cards, anything cards, like cards. that. Yep. And uh, and there's no there's no coming back. Or you're well, off, and I'll, or you're off, and I'll wave you back on when I think you're fine. And it's completely up to the ref. And you go, oh well, mate, you fa- you, yeah. you're really injured. You can stay off now. Or you stop the clock like they do in AFL. Yep, I like them all. Shawnee, any any from your point of view? Well, I'm going to. Uh... 
Yeah, I'm going to keep it simple and uh, in, with a definite EF, um, EPL uh, angle. Um, I don't see why the referee can't, you know, as they do in other countries, I can't see why the referee can't come off and have a look on the video at the side of the pitch. Love it. Um, I, I think that... Um, I don't know why they haven't decided to do it. I don't know. I think I don't know whether it's uh, pompousness or whether you know we don't know that here type of thing. But I, I personally, uh, and that I think that would massively help with the VAR in in the Premier League as well. Because let's be fair, there's been some absolute howlers in the mm. last week or two. Um, and I think the, the I think the referee, the first part of call should be the referee coming off the side of the pitch and having a look at it on the screen. And the VAR uh, in St. George's Park or wherever it is, they need to guide the referee, but the referee essentially still has the final decision unless it's one of these handball jobbies. But I, I think that there's no reason whatsoever that the referee can't come to the side of the pitch to have a look at the video. Because um, you know, we we we're either all we're either we we can't have a bob each way on VAR. We need to be all in or not in, and 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 not not having the referees come to the side of the pitch to me is nonsense. Well, are we still ready? Really, are we in all our leagues that are, that are taking on? Are we even technologically ready for it? Like we can sit at home and watch two or three different angles, and and the three of us could make three different decisions, right? There's no doubt in the world. The handballs are the, the, the really tricky ones. I think VAR was brought in for those... Those I think, You hear this term all the time, but it's honestly what I love about VAR, right? If it is a clear-cut mistake, then that's where VAR should come into play and everyone goes, yep. If a, if a referee has to go backwards and forwards 50 times during replays, then the original decision should just stand. So much of the uh, time they can't... You know, it it's not howlers they're looking at. It is those... Line yeah. ball calls that can go either way, and I agree with you. I kind of, I've grown to like the rule in cricket with uh, the LBWs, which is half the ball's hit and you're given out, you're out. Yep. You know, or or, or it's it's a, a, a wolf dent of the ball is hit and you're given out, it's out. If you're given not out, then half the ball hits, uh, you're out or not. You know what I mean? You know the way it's biased yeah. to the actual umpire's call. Oh, oh, and, and I, I think that's that. right. And I think that yeah, I agree. And and, and look. I can think of a number of occasions this year from all leagues that I've been watching any VAR decision. Those, the ones that absolutely kill me at the moment are the handballs where really you can't tell. It might have hit the guy in the shoulder. He might have had his hands in an unnatural position. But who the hell justifies what an unnatural position is when you're jumping for a ball in a contest? Well, I think, I think the... Uh, sorry to interrupt, Paul, but I think the... I think that we can sort of bring rugby into the equation here, rugby league and stuff like that. Whereas, or any sport, to be honest, that uses technology, that that you know, if you slow it down, if you slow it down to like one frame every thousand or something like that, you you, you can kind of you can kind of tailor it to what you want, yeah. if you know what I mean. It, it's getting I, to that stage. I agree. You know? and, and and the other one, I suppose, coming into that is the offsides, where literally. It could be the hair on someone's ball sack that makes them offside. That's not what the, the rule was about. Offside was meant to be basically you are cheating. You're, you're sitting in front. Or a toe. Or, or it, the edge of the boot. The, the edge of the boot when they're made. Those are killing me at the moment. Yeah. I'm not sure about you but guys, but those the boot, are the ones yeah, that are doing okay. my head in. You know, the guy looks onside, his legs are okay. onside, but his head might be half an inch in front of the uh, you know the defender. They are killing me, and they're killing the game in my mind. I kind of think your whole of you should be in front of the last defender to really yeah. call it an offside. Same here. Same here. But it's going to be a brave... It's going to be a... Once the fans are back in the stadium, it's going to... And God willing, we'll be back up there next year, but it's going to be a brave VAR to knock one of our goals back in the 90th minute for a winner. And, and you don't you think it's it. also, you know... <laughs> That's VAR every has, round, surely. But don't you think VAR has also <laughs> taken some of that... And we've heard this many times, but it's true. The spontaneity of that goal celebration. You know, you're with your friends. Yes, absolutely. The beers absolutely. are in the air. The scarves are flying. Everyone's hugging. You're just so excited your team scored. But now everyone seems to look at the screen and look at look everywhere to see if it's VAR. It's the same and in every sport. And, it, and it it's is, horrible. It is. It's really boring. And you know what? I actually find it really boring because, you know, I'm a, you know we're, we're NFL fans. We're cricket fans. We're, we're rugby. rugby. We follow all the sports um, as you do sort of growing up in Queensland. 
But, you know, every time somebody does something interesting, you have to stop and get approval. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's like they're afraid in case uh, uh, a game breaks out. And I really hate it in football. One of the things I, I did love about football was that if you, if you get the wrong decision, you've just got to suck it up and you move on. You know? And it's a great debate that week, isn't it? Like, you, yes, you, you're bitter and you, you, you hate the authority and you can't believe everything's going wrong against you, but isn't that life? And you still get the wrong decisions anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think, as, you were, I think as you alluded to before, Paul, um, I think that the, across many sports, the original premise for uh, video assistance in, in, in many, many sports was to prevent the howler. And, uh, and, and I'm all for that. I'm all for that. You know, we can go back to the World Cup of 2010, for example. You know, it, it's yep. to prevent the howler. And uh, what, where it comes unstuck, in my opinion, is when it gets too, it, it delves too deep into the, because in, it's, let's be fair, it's a bit of a dark art, isn't it? It delves too deep, it goes too far in. It's, to, to, to me, if it's given clear and concise demarcation lines, that, that it's, hey, listen, it's to prevent, we, we want to check if someone's offside. We want to check if the ball's gone over the line. We want to check um, for serious foul play. Uh, we want to I'll check tell you what wasn't a howler, Sean. Just keep it to those, keep it to those clear Something and concise. That everybody knows, lines. right, and it happened, it was the first time, was the penalty against Australia at the last World Cup. Okay, in the first game, no, 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 the penalty that nah. was that was given by VAR was the first of VAR at the World Cup. Oh, and yeah, yeah. No one knew it was yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. And and then the next thing is the penalty, and it's like, you know, I must have seen that a thousand times, and I've and I've been told by people why it was a penalty, and I've been told by people why it wasn't, and I think you know at that point I thought, yeah, we've got a wave on there or whatever, and then the game of football changed right there and right then. Well, I was a bit just 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 moving on slightly. I was I was a little bit concerned about Jack Grealish the other night because I thought I thought he'd been shot from the grassy knoll or something. Uh, he, he, I thought the no, it was, was definitely it was you definitely know, a spitting just... incident from the Seinfeld episode where they uh, they reenact. It was very little doubt. I, I saw the COVID spit. Um, that was the that was the that was you know extra shot from the grassy knoll. You know, we got green. We got a man down. Green, but Jack green, does nice. hit the deck pretty quick. He runs it. He I'm I'm staying out of it. Um, I'm biased, so I will stay out of it. And he does go down easier than a uh, hooker. Did I hear his new, with, but, uh, his new nickname is um, Grossy? This is one from left field. This is one. from left field. I was just about to say that the. the, the as we said, as we said last week or the week before, you know this free roll that he's given, it's he's not going to do the opposition any damage out wide or sometimes when he gets when he turns up. If he wants to develop his game, come and well, play for whoever else. he goes to next year, it's going to be a much better team than Villa, and whether he is the massive difference in, in terms of himself, he is going to be the difference for that team because he's going to free up another great player. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you have to pick up Grealish. If you don't pick up Grealish, you're gonna to have to pick up something. You know what I mean? Like he, any team he goes through, he's gonna. But he's as, going as to we alluded to, as we alluded to, though, Paul, he's, he's got to turn up in places when he can. Nah, hurt look, the I think he's a better team. I you think know, in a better team. It's no good. It's no good him doing his. It's no good him doing his tricks. Sean, I think in a better wow. team oh, with a better, you know. better manager. Um, and any Villa fans who want to bag me about Dean Smith, yes, I can love a bloke, but think he can't manage. That's fine. Um, in a better team with better structure, he'll kill it. I think he'll do really well. June 25th, the year of our Lord, 1982. He hones Spain. Players leave the pitch before fans can climb down onto the field. Coaches from the winning team start drafting apology letters. and Broadcasters implore viewers to straight up change the channel. Oh, shit. Sorry. We'll, we'll get to all that. Two-time World Cup champion West Germany enters the match against Austria playing for their lives. With one game remaining in the group stage, the Germans have gone from favorites to win it all to possibly not even making it to the knockout round. While they still control their own destiny, they also put themselves in this trouble in the first place, mainly by being pompous dicks. There you go. Well, as I say, it'd be quite welcome to come and play under Mr. Well, Bielsa. in saying that, 
you get to meet a football player from any generation or a manager, who would it be and what kind of conversation or where would you like to be with them? And please, let's not say George Best because that's not going to end well. Go on, Sean, you're up. I would like to, I, I would like to, because uh, um, I'd like to go back in the time tunnel mm. to the late 60s um, when, you know, and, the, you know, the swinging 60s, etc. that, you know, the, the press were, were, were very, the, the, it was old school press where you could, all the guys, all the managers, etc. knew the press and it was like a code of honour that the press didn't print certain things. Um, I'd go back to that era when uh, Shankly, Revy and Busby, especially Shankly and Revy, uh, uh, especially Shankly and Revy were, were yep. mates. Yep. Like Sh- Shank- Shankly used to ring uh, Revy every Saturday night before match of the day and they'd have a chat and, and, and Revy and Busby and what have you used to be mates. And, and they used to meet up on the motorway sometimes and have meetings and have a drink and this, that and the other. And it's like, I'd like to go back to those days. I'd like to be in one of those meetings between, one of those impromptu <laughs> meetings between Revy and Shankly, just to pick the brains, just to pick the brains and say, you know, because it, it, was, it was a golden age. And, um, and, and uh, you know, you've got Revy, Shankly, Busby, Cluffy, uh, yep. Bill Nicholson yep. at Tottenham. You know, you're talking, you're talking legends of the game here. Bertie May at Arsenal. You know, it was a, it was a golden. And all these guys, there was none of the bitchiness you've got now. All these guys respected each other, and they, 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 you know, apart from Revy and Cuffy, obviously, but <laughs> the rest of them, they were, they were in, mainly, mainly yeah. good pals. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Pals. Uh, Johnny, what about you, mate? What are we looking for, managers? Oh, it could be a player, it could be a manager. You know. I'll give you one. And he passed away this week. I'll go with um, um, Ward Jackie Charlton. Yeah. A true Geordie, um, a, a, a wonderful man from all reports, um, a great, highly distinguished, great football player. Um, and he always had that common touch. I can tell you that my family in Newcastle absolutely adore the guy. Um, and, you know, that's people who follow football and who don't. Because there's plenty of people in, in the UK who don't watch football. There's a lot of ladies back in the day who didn't watch it. My mum, no interest, my nana, all that, you know. But they all love, uh, they all love Jackie, and um, I was really sad to hear of his passing today. And he is a true giant of the game, and he's going to be missed. Yep. Hey, hey, yeah. Hey, hey. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what, lads, as well, and I, I, couldn't echo, I couldn't agree with that more, an absolute colossus of football, colossus of football. And it's an absolute... I'm not, I'm not, as you know, guys, I'm not a big on the night of and all this bollocks. But, you know, uh, Bobby Moore, Jack Charlton, you know, didn't, didn't get knighthoods or didn't get proper recognition. And it's a bloody disgrace. But coming back to Jackie Charlton, as you just alluded to there, Johnny, about the, about what, what happened was with Jack Charlton and that Leeds team, actually, they became household mm. names. You know, people to this day can name that Leeds team, that, that Leeds team 1-11. to They can name the England team 1-11. to And and Jack Charlton transcended sport. He transcended sport. He was just, a, as you say, a working-class lad from Ashington. You know, he, he did three, three or four months down the pit. And, and he is an absolute god in my eyes. And, uh, and, 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 you know, his contribution to football... Contribution to life is immeasurable and uh, it is sadly missed. Well said, guys. Um, for me, it, it would be Paul McGrath. Um, I, I know he's still alive and everything like that, but for what he went through to become the professional footballer he was, um, interracial marriage back in a time when it was frowned upon, fostered out and to go to all these different places and play seven years for United and become an absolute legend at Villa. I would love to sit there and just talk to him about the, the challenges he faced of to become a professional footballer and, and what drove him in that regards. Uh, I just think that would be an amazing story and I'd love to sit down and have a couple let's, of ales. Let's not forget, Paul. Let's not forget, Paul, that, uh, you know, when he was growing up in Dublin, uh, you know, it was, it was gum shields, wasn't yeah. it? You know what I mean? Yeah. A, a, a kid a kid of mixed race in, in those days uh, would have been tough a tough gig 
and uh, he, he, he was a great player. And and you know what? If he has if he has two good knees, yeah, multiple knee good. injuries, you know, alcohol addiction, a lot of things that he's uh, always been um, really honest about. I think that would just for me beyond. Um, obviously, my interest as him as being one of my Villa heroes would be that I can never walk in anyone else's shoes. But to get some kind of background of where he got to, for me, would be that that's who I'd like to sit with. Was he part of Jack's Irish Army? Yes, he was. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 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 Uh, two, world, two World Cups. So, um, yeah, one of my all-time heroes. And, I, and, and, you know, I fight for a lot of causes like you guys do. And, and I would love to, to hear that story from him as well. So that would be mine. Um, but I think we've brought up some really... Uh, Really good people, bit uh, of a similar, managers and players. Similar story there to Phil Linnett from Thin Lizzy. Yeah. Not, yeah. not, not too, yeah, not too dissimilar yeah. at all. Yeah. Right, but uh, I'd also, uh, I also, you know, with COVID and everything, I think of uh, and, and the distance where we all live now. The uh, obviously the tyranny of distance. Uh, I wouldn't mind um, watching a, a good game of football with you guys down the track, but who knows when that's going to happen again. Well, there's, I, I, I know that the uh, I know that I know it's all TV orientated, but I know that the Raw are playing down on the Gold Coast at seven thirty on, on a Sunday, Sunday night. night. This Sunday night, and, uh, yep. and there's a lot, and there's a lot of and the, oh, you know, all the members, you know, just hmm. you'll get an email and you can do this and you like realistically, who's going to come down from Brisbane for a seven thirty Sunday night kickoff? I, I can't see it myself. Well, it's an unbelievable know. time, isn't it? You've got. Um... Uh, today it's been announced basically that all the Victorian teams will end up in Queensland for the AFL um, for the rest of the season after the next round or two. Yeah, so well, it'll, it'll be the season, potentially a grand final um, could be played in, in Queensland. Yeah, look that's, out. A, that's a very real, that's a very, very real um, prospect now. Um, but, you know... You, I think it's a fair but, very, Well, it seems to be, but you've got... Uh, the competition for the A-League at the moment. So on, I think, Friday night, you've got the Storm playing on the Sunshine Coast. Um, we've got the um, Queensland Reds playing at Suncorp. I think then the Broncos might be playing on Saturday night. Um, uh, you've got Richmond playing Saturday night up here. So the competition, the Raw is going to be... I don't even know if many people know it's even on on a Sunday night this week. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it, I don't know. I mean... We we understand the, the the scheduling and so on because it's just, it's a very it's a very compacted uh, time schedule. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, just 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 moving on from that, by the way, because I know we have probably pushed for time. I just wanted to give a big shout out to all the uh, all the Matildas girls because heaps of the Matildas girls are getting big moves oh, yeah. to Europe, and I couldn't couldn't be more. And we touched pleased. on we touched Could on that a few weeks pleased. ago, Sean, and and we were saying you know to the detriment of the um the, the W League. But, you know, it, it could reform the W League into something else and we're going to see more and more um, young ladies come through to play at the professional level in Australia. And I think, it's, I think this is fantastic news. I, I'm loving all the announcements to the uh, professional clubs overseas. Well, I've, uh, I'm particularly, you know, Arsenal, Arsenal are looking like a real big Aussie team. Half the Matildas. You've got... Uh, <laughs> Carpenter, Carpenter going to Lyon, Haley going to Everton. Uh, it's super exciting, super exciting. And uh, you know, I, I think that if if I was a TV, all joking aside, if I was a TV executive, I'd be looking to try and get hold of the uh, women's super league. Yeah, absolutely. To get a, a high, to get a highlight show, or even one live game and a highlight show. And I don't think the cost would be too big. And and I think you get a big audience because everyone would be wanting to see how well, the Matildas going. Would on. be good um, right now, being twenty twenty and the Women's World Cup coming up in in a few years' time. Um, might be good to get a bit of a documentary going there, following the uh, Australian contingent around the world, leading up to the World Cup. You might have a bit of a uh, bit of a uh, Netflix uh, documentary there, Sean. Yeah, well, I spoke to I actually spoke to John early today. Actually, John uh, Haley John, and. Um, and uh, and she's uh, she, she's she's in Liverpool as the girl, and uh, she's she's ready to rock and roll. It's like basically coming into pre-season, and uh, how exciting is it? You know how exciting is it? And you know when when we look back four or five years ago, and and as I said, they were literally getting the crumbs off the table. How gratifying is it to see these girls now? They they're getting the rewards they deserve, 
and uh, and and it's so good. But one little one little mention to KK though. She's done her yep. ACL yep. again, and uh, it's a really massive blow. And uh, obviously, wish her all the best, and hope she recovers real quick. Absolutely, and yeah, it, to to do that at this at the, at her age and everything as well. It's just yeah, it's devastating news. I do want to go back a step with your permission, boys. Sure, if that's okay. Back to the A League. It I will. I will. I'm going to go back to the A League. Because whilst we've talked about the negatives, one of the positives right now is that with a lot of, you know, Victoria going back down into lockdown, um, New South Wales having a lot of hot spots and so forth, there's going to be that craving for sport um, like there has been again. And this is that massive opportunity. I think there's 30-odd games in 30-odd days. So there is that potential to see where the TV audience um, still lies for the A-League. Um, forget the crowds, but the TV audience will be a really good barometer for the next, you know, few TV deals as well. Hey, we watch it, you know, there's a four-goal AFL game. You turn it over, you watch a bit of A-League, then you're across to something else as sports lovers. Uh, we can't really complain that the A-League's back too much. No, it'll be good. Where are they going to put victory? Are they going to be based out of Urundanji? Oh, we, you can only think so. Uh, Bongaree, I heard, was going or to be Stan one Thorpe of the uh, or something. Spots. Yeah, are uh, they but, play, but in all seriousness, are they playing the um, the Gold Coast? The, Sean, are the Raw playing at uh, Rabina? Yeah. Yeah. They're playing at Sunday they're night. Playing at Sunday on, night. Uh, on some, on That'll give them a night. chance to um, get a crowd smaller than the Gold Coast United used to get. Well, that'd be interesting. That'll be pretty hard. Oh, it pretty sounds like it's on the cards. Actually, it could be on the cards. I'm sure they'll give it a Sure no one has to pay the transport levy because I think it has to be over 2,500 people to, to pay the levy. So I love those because... days when we could actually count the crowd ourselves. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's 190. Do you and remember they say when it's the... 900. Do you remember when um, – <laughs> were you guys there the day that um, Raw supporters ran up to the beach, the, the beach supporters, and had a sign, um, the beach, Queensland's disgrace? And it was basically more people holding signs than there was in the beach. I'm not sure if you remember those times. but uh... The sad thing for me was that I was nominally I, – I, I flew the coop and decided I was going to be a Gold Coast United fan. Me and Clive Mensick are pretty close. I'm glad you said Clive Mensick and not uh, the other Clive because um, you, 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 you couldn't social distance from him. He'd be uh... – I think, I, think I think the thing is, boys, I think, I think the thing is, boys, is that um... – you know, not wanting to put a serious angle on this, but I'm <laughs> gonna do. It's you, we just we just got we just got to hope we just got to hope that the the season finishes in good order, uh, and and that the viewing figures are, are, are good enough to 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 give the guys more contract you know to get more contracts listed out and to get extensions to contracts and stuff like that because as I, as we said a few weeks ago, we're talking people yeah, with livelihoods here. We're talking. You know, we're talking blokes sending kids to school. We're talking, we're talking, um, you know, mortgages that they pay. And sure, not just the players, though, mate. You're and, talking about uh, club administrators and those people who get out. Absolutely. To the yeah, absolutely. There's so many people right now. Absolutely. You know, it's easy. I was one of those people early on saying, you know, oh, cancel the seasons. COVID, you know, is more important. But it, it, then a good yeah. friend of mine who worked in sports said, you know, all of us are going to lose our jobs as well. So it's such a fine line. Well, you'll you'll know the you'll know the story from uh, Queensland cricket, Paul. In terms of you, you know all the work that goes in. You know the guys who are out and about, like you used to do, and, and like a lot of the guys do, who are out and about, busting their backsides off. This is not the first time we've been under these circumstances. No. Is it even sweeter this time around? So much more. Hold on, hold on. Tell me what we did, because I, I, I don't know what we did. Tell me what we just did. Well, you've got yourself a place in the championship. I don't think they heard you in the back. Me up on one no. <laughs> Tell me what we did. You've got yourself a place in the championship. Hey, Danny, look. Look. Let me calm down. Let me calm down. First and foremost, yeah, I want to thank God. Thank God. Because today he made the impossible possible. Amen. And my, my next story, four years ago, four years ago I stood in front of you and I was technically unemployed. Four years ago I was here and I was technically unemployed. That's correct. And what do you say? Let me tell you something. The only person that can hit me up on WhatsApp this time is Klopp. So we can celebrate together. You get me? 
Now listen, I have to I have to tell you, our hearts went out to you last week. You were very transparent, very honest of what happened without going into all the details of that. Do you feel vindicated tonight with this? Uh, you know what? There's a time for me to speak up on that, and I will speak on it. Today is about, listen, for me, life in football is all about opinions. Four years ago, somebody gave an opinion on me, and that was their opinion. And I hope my story shows that the only opinion that matters is the opinion you have about yourself. And I was lucky and blessed to find a manager and players who believed in me. So we are here today, and I'll say it for the people in the back. Wickham's in the championship. Wait, wait, I'll say it one more time. Wickham's in the championship. Wait! People in the back didn't hear me. Wickham is in the championship. And can I ask you one thing? Go on. Are we both still going to be employed in a couple of years' time? I don't know. know. <laughs> I'm going to go rest and sleep for four weeks. I think, uh, I think, guys. I think we might have had. Uh, I think we might have a special guest. He's back. Pete's back from his uh, Tuesday, Wednesday night training sessions. How are we, Pete? Oh, gentlemen, how are we all? I'm incredibly sorry that I turned up so late to the party, but I am also so very glad. That's funny, mate, because that's what your mum and dad said. I reckon you've had the. Uh, I reckon he's had the hairdryer. Oh, <laughs> uh, look! Uh, it was actually a strength conditioning session tonight, so I can blame the uh, S and C coaches instead of uh, the performance of my players. Well, nice. <laughs> how did you? How, more importantly, Pete. How did yeah, you go Oh, geez, incredibly tough uh, performance against Sydney University in in all grades. For me, they are the best club in the country, and if you think about what they did in the women's and the men's side of the club. Uh, in terms of their youth, they actually conceded two goals across nine grades uh, in two days. So, yeah, incredibly tough. Wow. Uh, 17th, unfortunately, we went down 4-0, two goals in each half. And, uh, look, straight after the game, I thought that we were absolutely smoked and destroyed in that game. Uh, having watched back the footage, I can kind of pick out moments where uh, Sydney Uni definitely got the better of us, but themselves as a club, they are definitely the envy of the NPL world. What I was going to say, Pete, any, any positives you can Yeah, exactly right. Look, uh, plenty of positives. We had uh, a debut for one of our new signings. She ended up having 70 minutes in front of goal and um, basically 70 minutes up front thrown in the deep end massively. Uh, she did really well, so great to be able to have uh, the likes of Piper Cowan join the Stingrays crew. Um, and most of the... Uh, players having to put in that 70-minute shift and kind of rotate their roles quite frequently um, and actually showed some really good character throughout that game. So players who normally would play as a number nine shifted into kind of a more of a central midfield role so they could dictate uh, the play. You had players who generally uh, would play as a seven or 11 out wide, ended up having to shift into left back or right back to uh, help cover a few positions. But look, plenty of positives. Well, the thing is, Pete, the thing is, Pete, you can, you can, you can, t- you can use that as a positive for the girls to say, listen, that's what you need to aspire mm. to. That's the level yep. we need to get to. And we need to work out, work hard to get to that level. And, uh, you know, you can, you can always take some good out of it. Exactly right. Look, as a, as a team, we actually had a really good team meeting last night um, where we discussed a few things during the, uh, about the game that we had played and basically took out a couple of positives and went, look, let's, let's just focus on one or two key goals ahead of this weekend's game against RPO Leichhardt Tigers and purely work on making sure that we can um, improve in those key areas. And if we can do that, then that's the true sign of success between round one and round two. Facing another uh, very famous uh, New South Wales team there, Pete. So that's um, a lot to learn from for the team, but also for yourself as a coach. Um, you're, you're still relatively you know, junior in the ranks, and, and I know that you're the biggest thing that you love is actually learning uh, all the time and sharing the knowledge. So you, you'll take a, a lot away from this week uh, yourself as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my good friends is actually the the head coach uh, of uh, Sydney University. So it was great to be able to catch up with him after the game and basically talk about his performance as a first grade coach at Sydney Uni and for him to kind of dissect my performance as a 17s coach um, for us to kind of share those experiences and to kind of learn from each other that that is the most exciting part Uh, I I feel like 
straight after the game, um, you kind of get bogged down in your own thoughts. But to be able to have that evaluation with someone that is in that little circle of trust, so, so rewarding. And I don't think. Oh, sorry. Was that was was that in the was was that in the boardroom with a ridiculous? <laughs> unfortunately, we're not Premier League style, <laughs> um, and unfortunately, we don't have uh, boardrooms alone. Gosh, as soon as the football is blown, the lights are turned off in the field, and the front gates locked up. So it's basically get out, or you have to climb the fence. And the guy saying, "Piss exactly off, right. get out of the game." Exactly right. But coming back to though that though, Pete, that's um. One of the stories that I, I don't think we sell enough uh, in, in Australian football is that um, aside from the absolute professional levels, um, at the lower levels, there's so much sharing of knowledge and they're the stories that football's not telling well enough at this stage. Agreed. There, there are so many little, uh, I wouldn't say little people, but people who do big roles in smaller clubs that no one really hears the stories about. And without the people doing the little tiny jobs um, and, and the things that kind of happen without everyone else knowing about it, look, things just don't mm-hmm. work in football and things don't work in sport. So there are so many volunteers that we can celebrate. There are so many club administrators we can celebrate. There are so many club leaders we can celebrate. There are club physios who turn up week after week. There are just yep. people who are happy to do whatever it takes Um and yeah, there are so so many awesome stories out there. Can I ask a question? So, so, John, oh, I was going to say, yeah, on coaching down. philosophy, Pete, on, is um, when you're coaching the young ladies, and I coach women's sport, as you know, but it's in a it's in a physical contact game. Um, I love football, and I particularly love it when I've got very good physical defenders in my team. In um in my football teams, when you're coaching the the girls to play, um I, I get that we're always selling free flowing games and you know skills and on the ball and stuff like that. How do you go about um um finding and and creating great physical defenders? Well, uh, and, and, yeah. and the young with young women. I think personally, it comes down to how you uh, kind of celebrate one v one battles. So we might, we might talk about how you want creative players in situations who can win one-on-one battles, but so much is kind of not talked about those who can basically win 1v1s. Um, one of the best quotes ever uh, is, if you feel like as a defender you've made a tackle, you've done something wrong in the build-up. And mm. there are so many things that we can say, look, if you can slow down the opponents, if you can stop them from playing forward, if you can dictate them to make a pass where you want them to play, that's all about like components of success. And then if you can make a tackle, and it's a brilliant tackle because you've stopped the opposition from being able to go forward or you've been able to deny them an opportunity to score a goal, mate, that is just the best feeling. Like me personally, I still play on a weekend and I'm a centre-back there's nothing I love more than a clean sheet. Like I love scoring goals, but I love a clean sheet so much more. So to be able to kind of work with defenders and say, look, we need to celebrate the fact that, you know, you're denying an opportunity. You're stopping teams from being able to score a goal. That is just as rewarding as someone at the other end, putting it in the back of the net. Cool. Can I just ask one, one quick, one quick question there, Pete? And, and, I know from me, 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 you know, I've watched loads of football and what have you, but to, to, to me, there's not, and, and shows what a sad, sad person I am, but to, to, to me, when you see, a, there's nothing gives me more pleasure than seeing a defender, when a cross comes in, a defender positioning their body, you know, they, they know they're not going to get the ball, but they position their body in such a place where it, it, it prevents the striker from, or prevents the attacker from getting to the ball. To, to, I, I, would you agree with that? Or, you know, when, like, a, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's ways and means of defenders, isn't, isn't there, you know, in, in terms of positioning your body and getting, getting into, those, into those places? 100%, as long as it's not, you know, a Harry Maguire situation like he did in Manchester United game where he literally marked his own <laughs> player. As long as it's not that happy day, yeah. that, yeah, look, um, 
it, it, it's funny. The moment you started mentioning that, I thought back to uh, there's an under-14s game, the, cl- the club that I'm working at now, two years ago, basically, um, and a great opportunity. We're defending a free kick. It's close to goal. One of my centre-backs decided that she would kind of leave the defensive line and run back towards the, uh, the goal line, really. She ended up heading the ball off the goal line, putting it wide for a corner, and everyone just kind of stood there in stunned silence for a split second and then just went, oh, crap, we've just stopped a goal. And then we we all just kind of celebrated this moment. And it, it's really funny. The, the kid has done this time after time after time. And uh, you kind of have to celebrate the fact that she's so persistent. And I love that. It's, it's kind of... It's football exactly now. Exactly right. You can't it? kind of... You can't coach that. That is, a, that's a personality. That's a value. That's a belief, and that that's born in someone there. Well, Pete, I'd, I'd probably yes, um, a little bit, a tiny bit disagree with you there. It can be coached in terms of allowing the person to do that. That is coaching in itself. You know, you're, you're not stopping her from um, giving that initiative or, or taking that initiative. So, to, you know, you've got to take credit as a coach that you allow your players that freedom to feel they can do that. Thanks. Um, yeah, personally, the, the way mm. that I see coaching is like I'm not the one on the field, so I'm not the one making yep. the decisions. Like I'm the one on the sidelines who can offer suggestions and I can say, hey, why don't you try this? But I'm not the one out there. So the way that I see coaching is it's up to the players on a game day to kind of free themselves. And if, if they can't express themselves in a free way, then personally, I have to kind of worry about what they've been taught previously or what their environment yeah. is like previously where they haven't had that free expression. Well, Pete, I'm going to come back uh, to a question that you missed out on earlier tonight. Um, any football player, any football manager that you would like, it doesn't matter if they're alive or, or not, any football manager or player spent time with and, and what you kind of would have talked to them about. Is there anyone that that's kind of done that for you, or, or that you'd like to have done that with? Oh gosh, it, it's kind of a funny one. When when I guess I saw this question pop up in my messages earlier on today, I started kind of brainstorming who I would kind of quite like to pick their brain of, and I guess um, it's kind of funny. I I almost uh, disregarded Ange Postecoglou for so long when he was at the likes of Brisbane <laughs> Roar and Victory because I was just like, this guy is so obscure, it doesn't make sense. And then where I kind of sit in now, I'm just like, I so want to be able to just have a coffee with this guy and find out his yeah. ideas. Um, likewise, even, you know, a former Sydney FC coach, Pierre Labaski, um, I, mm. what, watching back mm-hmm. his season one, you kind of go, he was 10 years ahead of everyone else in the A-League. And yep. I personally would love to sit down and just go, look, here is my idea. Does it have legs? And if it doesn't have legs or if it does, like kind of why? And, yeah, that would be an amazing conversation. I, I think you'd find with Ange and, and with – Sean and I, at least, and I'm not sure about you, John, sorry, we've been lucky enough to uh, spend a tiny bit of time with him. Um, I don't think he'd poo-poo any of your ideas, mate. I think he would encourage them. No, no. Um, I think he would be interested in other people's ideas. That's that's what I've always gathered from him, mate. So I don't think... He's inclusive, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you'd have any ideas with your idea, uh, problems with your ideas being shot down. I can guarantee that. <laughs> well, the next one would be um, actually one of my mentors, uh, James Lambert, who's actually the head coach of the Australian Deaf Football Team. Um, he <laughs> is someone who I absolutely love and I feel like I don't get enough time to be able to sit down and bounce ideas off, but I love to be able to spend time with him and just kind of share thoughts of what's kind of what's happening in the world of football. So at the moment, he and I are both kind of upset Deathwood United as well as uh, Atalanta over in the city. So we're both kind of furiously taking notes and as we kind of, roll into 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night, we kind of start sending messages to each other going, hey, have you seen this? Hey, have you seen that? So you are talking football exactly, now? Right? Exactly. Hmm. Okay. Hey, just as, just as a follow-on, Johnny, um, I, I, 
how good would it have been to sit down for a couple of hours with Sir Bobby Robson? Oh, yeah, it would have been um, a wonderful thing. And obviously, he's revered at home. Uh, he ended the way he left the club was horrendous. Um, yeah. But he's a great man. Proper. proper and, you know, I was, it was cool to hear um, Pete mention Pierre Litbarski because I think we've now, on tonight's podcast, got at least. 10 of the 1982 West German World Cup winners. <laughs> we are. So he's another one. Um, but yeah, no, Sir Bobby, he was fantastic. And he saw... The greatest thing about Sir Bobby was his ability to deal with defeat and take it like a man. There was no crying. There was no carry-on, but there was also a great deal of humility and, a, and a, an honest belief that football is still a game. It's a very important yep. game. But... Um, you know when he lost those semi-finals in the World Cup, and or the ways he, the ways he found to be out of the World Cup. You know he arguably could have won one and should have, but uh, what a great man! Well, I tell you what, mate. I tell you what. Can you remember the? Can you remember that saying that that what he said when he first went to St James's Park mm. with his dad, and it was a it was a night match, and he went and he and he and I, I can't remember it verbatim, but. He, 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 you know, he had his dad's, held his dad's hand, went up the steps, and saw the surface. And it's, you know, if, if and anyone, anyone wants a, um, you know, bring a tear to a glass eye because that, that was, that's what it's all about. That's what well, football's about. Jack Charlton said You'll something similar. He said something similar about yeah. him and, and 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 Bobby Charlton going to St James's because Jackie Milburn was their uncle, and you know. One of the stories, and we spoke about Jack Charlton earlier on tonight, Pete, before you came on. And, you know, he said one of the great things about him was he wanted, he said if Newcastle had offered him a, a chance to trial, he would have walked from Ashington, which is like 14 miles. But they didn't. He ended up at Leeds. Um, but he never held it against the club because he said that was my club as a kid. He said my club as an adult was Leeds and he loved them dearly. But he never, he never, he never Norman lost Hunter his love well, of Newcastle. Like Norman Hunter as well was a mm, team. That's guy. right. But um, these days, that wouldn't happen these days. People be like, "Oh, you didn't look at me, and I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you guys just play all that sort of rubbish. You play against you, and gonna kill you. A different like, generation and different um, people, you know. Those quotes you guys were talking about, um, quick search on YouTube, sorry, quick search on Google or whatever, you'll find them. Many, many people have done photos and, and put those quotes up, so we'll chuck a couple of those up on our page. Guys, one of the final things here, and I know that um, I know Pete's had a strong following over the years in the MLS. They've started restarted their competition in hubs, much like kind of like a – and in groups – much like a World Cup kind of thing. Have you guys been able to any anyone followed that at this stage? How can they be seriously getting any sport going back in the United States? There's 140,000 people dead. They got dead. record yep. infections every day. I was in Vinny's the other day at Palm Beach on Palm Beach Ave, and I kid you not, in this little bucket there of scarves, there was a Portland timber scarf, and no. I thought of you, Paul, and I thought well, Paul would oh. love this. Haley Razor. It's a sign. It's a sign, God. Haley Russell. It was sign. in there with about 150 about you, Gold Coast you United know? scarves. Oh, I love it. I love it. What about you, Pete? You, uh, you've been a big supporter of the MLS over the years. What have you thought of the hub and, uh, and, and the group stages? Well, look, there? it's an interesting concept. I quite enjoy this um, kind of infatuation that almost every single league around the world has kind of tried to replicate the success of a World Cup. You can see that even the UEFA Champions League, uh, the Europa League, they kind of want to have all their major events take place over a really short space of time to kind of hype up the interest. Gosh, even the A-Leagues decided to do, what is it, 27 games in 28 days. But 28 exactly. days, yeah. So the MLS, to be able to do this kind of group stage and then progress through the groups and we can kind of hype up the interest this way, it's positive. Um, I actually think that the most kind of exciting thing about um, the MLS games has been the fact that as as kind of as coach voice as this sounds, I've actually really enjoyed the tactical view from the camera and there have been some really mm. interesting um, bits of footage that have been chopped up and sent out uh, on Twitter, especially of, for, for instance, like uh, Philadelphia Union's counter-attacking system. Um, we've been able to see what Toronto's kind of midfield looks like and how they're going to kind of shape up. You can see that Portland Timbers are kind of 
they're, they're dominating um, at times, but LAFC is going to be that type of team who can get the better of them in the long run. Um, as kind of as expected, Vancouver are pretty much hopeless. San Jose look still lost without Chris Wondolowski up front. Um, hey, leave Wondo out of this, mate. I, do you know how many Wondo shirts I've owned over the years? Do you know how many Wondo scarves that, that I've had over the years? Like, I'm a big fan of you. I touched a Paul Timbers scarf the other day. It's St. Vincent de Paul. <laughs> you should have bought it. I'm disappointed, John. I'll go back and get it for you, Paul. It, no, it's probably still it. in the discount bin, by the way. I can't imagine that anybody walked through from the local high school and said, look, I've got to take that. <laughs> you grab that scarf for me. I'm putting it up on the wall, mate. It's, it's going there. It's going up with uh, all my other... Useless things. I'm blown away by um, Pete's knowledge of the MLS. I tried to get into it a couple of years ago, and then I just went, no, no. Pete and I have had a uh, long-running fascination with the MLS, and I think we're the only two in Australia who actually like it. uh, (laughs) I think there might be a couple others here and there. Well, I'm I'm just just, uh, concentrating on the uh, EFL at the moment. uh, I wonder why, mate. We're so close. We're so close, we can sniff it, and uh, we're all pressed in that way overnight. And um, uh, God willing, within a few days, we'll be back in the promised land of the 16 <laughs> Surely the only story worth you talking will, about is the beast and the phone call that he had with Jurgen Klopp afterwards in the car park. That is surely the only conversation when it comes to the EFL, is how unlikely League One Wickham Wanderers and the beast coming into the championship, and the fact that in his, and his press conference post uh, game, I'm just saying, can you speak up? The it's guys the at the back ones. didn't hear you. Can you speak up? The guys mm. at the back didn't hear you. Sensational. It's one of the it's one of the great post match interviews. If it, seriously, do yourself a favour. Uh, we'll put it on this, put, uh, guys. We'll put it on this podcast tonight. Do yourself yeah. a favour, and I t- tell you what, Pete, as well. What about Gareth Ainsworth being the uh, the old wild thing, the rocker? Oh, sensational. Sensational. What a story. <laughs> Guys, we're gonna have to call that uh, we're gonna have to call that a wrap tonight. We've covered Leeds thirty-seven times. We've covered West Germany, East Germany, and Germany uh, thirty-one. We've actually Can I send a, a shout out there, Paul, to my Sunderland friends who took Please two go. points from the last four games of the EFL League One and finished on the same points as Wickham a better goal difference, but with game in hand, they play the chip, they play in that um, playoff and go up. And um, I'm yeah. feeling for them yeah. tonight. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, mate. It's um, I, and we've spoken about it previously. Sunday until I die is one of my favourite uh, football shows I've watched in years. I really loved watching all the machinations. Because who's a bigger club out of Wickham and Sunderland? I think we can all. Don't even think we need to really say it there, do we? And can I just say, Paul? Can I just say, just just finally. Marching on together, baby. We're coming. Expect us. EPL, expect us, baby. We're coming. Now, the funny thing is, Sean, I think a few women have heard you say the same thing over the years. Yeah, but is this, is this after the Watershed podcast, Paul? We need to when I first met, um, when, I first, when I first met um, Shawnee, we nicknamed him Edmundo. Oh, that's enough. <laughs> Guys, we have been We Only Pod when we're winning. We will speak to you all next week. Join us in conversation on Facebook at We Only Pod when we're winning. You can listen to this podcast on Apple, on Anchor, on Spotify. Um, you can connect all with us uh, on Twitter and so forth. Sean, you have a Twitter handle there? Yes, at Hunslet White, H-U-N-S-L-E-T White. And Pete? At Pete Novikovsky, spelt exactly how it sounds, and good luck trying to spell it. Uh, you can have a look on my list at Paul underscore football. You'll find Pete and Sean there. Johnny, are you on Twitter? I am. At Lambic Beach. Yes. Yes. I wonder what picture you've got on there. It's still not yes. a Green Bay Packers picture, is it? It might be. It may be. So you're going to hunt us down on Twitter. Please don't hunt us down on Facebook because stalkers uh, aren't, aren't wanted. We have been Wernley Pod when we're winning, and we'll speak to you next week. 